0: Welcome to Damn Good Movie Memories, with your host, Ryan Davis. This podcast is the cure for your long commute and super boring workday.
1: What you got in the trunk? You don't want to look in there.
2: Suppose you're thinking about a plate of shrimp. Suddenly somebody will say like, plate, or shrimp, or plate of shrimp, out of the blue, no explanation. No point in looking for one either. It's all part of a cosmic unconsciousness. You eat a lot of acid, Miller, back in the hippie days? Put it on a plate, son. You'll enjoy it more. Couldn't enjoy it anymore, Mom. Mm mm mm. This is swell.
1: What's this? <laughs> Charming friends you got there, Otto.
2: Thanks. I made it myself. I had a lobotomy in the end. Lobotomy? Isn't that for loonies? Not at all. A friend of mine had one. I do my best thinking on the bus. That's how come I don't drive, see? You don't even know how to drive. I don't want to know how. I don't want to learn, see? The more you drive, the less intelligent you are.
0: Hey there, it's Brian Davis and for this week's episode we're going to cover the movie Repo Man from 1984. The studio was Universal Pictures, the release date was March 2nd, 1984. The running time 92 minutes and it was rated R. The budget was 1.2 million and the box office took you in, well, this is disputed. Wikipedia says 3.7 million. But I believe that's false, or at least they pad heavily with the home video sales, which I will explain later. Now, Box Office Mojo, which is what I normally use to get all the box office totals, they always give a more realistic box office total, and they say 129,000, making it the 163rd-ranked movie of 1984. Rotten Tomatoes gives it 98% fresh from 46 reviews. Their critics' consensus is Repo Man is many things an alien invasion film, a punk rock musical, a send-up of consumerism. One thing it isn't, boring. Roger Ebert at the time surprisingly gave it three out of four stars. Here's his review. Repo Man is one of those movies that slips through the cracks and gives us all a little weirdo fun. It is the first movie I know about that combines one, punk teenagers, two, automobile repossessors, and three, aliens from outer space. This is the kind of movie that baffles Hollywood because it isn't made from any known formula and doesn't follow the rules. Repo men, we learn, live their lives on the edge, operating under extreme tension that is caused partly by their working conditions and partly because, as Harry Dean Stanton explains, I've never known a repo man who doesn't use a lot of speed. (laughs) Stanton is one of those treasures of American movies. He has appeared in a lot of films without becoming a big star. But he has that total cynicism that brings jobs like Repo into focus. In the movie, he and Emilio Estevez make a nice team. The beaten veteran and the cocky kid, and they cruise the streets looking for cars. What's best about Repo Man is its sly sense of humor. There are a lot of running gags in the movie, and the best of them involves generic food labels of all things. There is a moment involving some food in a refrigerator that gave me one of the biggest laughs I'd had at the movies in a long time. The movie also has a special way of looking at Los Angeles, seeing it through Harry Dean Stanton's eyes as a wasteland of human ambitions where a few bucks can be made by the quick, the bitter, and the sly. I saw Repo Man near the end of a busy stretch on the movie beat, three days during which I saw more relentlessly bad movies than during any comparable period in memory. Most of those bad movies were so cynically constructed out of formula ideas and quote unquote commercial ingredients, that watching them was an ordeal. Repo Man comes out of left field, has no big stars, didn't cost much, takes chances, dares to be unconventional, is funny, and works. There is a lesson here. And that's the end of Ebert's Great Review. Really, Ebert is spot on, and absolutely his review stands the test of time. This film was way ahead of its time, and like many forms of media that break the standards, Repo Man was a flop in its original release. People just didn't know what to make of it, but Repo Man is the true definition of a cult classic. Those that get it absolutely adore it. Okay, let's get into the main cast. You have Emilio Estevez, who plays Otto. Estevez would really hit it big the year after Repo Man, but you could already see his ascent into movie stardom coming into frame by 1984. Of course, if you didn't know already, Estevez's father is actor Martin Sheen, and his brother is Charlie Sheen. Estevez appeared in a few TV movies in the early 1980s. His big break was in the film Tex in 1982 with Matt Dillon and Meg Tilly. A year later, he would be in The Outsiders, which ended up being the who's who of 80s actors before they became super famous. You had Matt Dillon, Patrick Swayze, Tom Cruise, Rob Lowe, Ralph Macchio, C. Thomas Howe, and of course, Diane Lane. Harry Dean Stanton plays Bud. Now, Stanton is what most people, like Ebert, would call an actor's actor. Casual movie fans may not know his name offhand, but I guarantee you've seen a film with him in it. Now, my introduction to Stanton was a few years after Repo Man, where he played Molly Ringwald's father in Pretty in Pink. In a past episode, we covered one of his early roles, where he played Tramp and Cool Hand Luke, of course, with Paul Newman. Repo Man would introduce Stanton to a whole new generation of film buffs, and is also one of his most beloved roles. Though he wasn't always easy to work with, as I will cover soon the director Alex Cox. This was Cox's first film. He would also go on to direct the 1986 film Sid and Nancy about the Sex Pistols bassist Sid Vicious and his girlfriend. Okay, let's get into the making of the film. So writer and director Alex Cox spent 2 years trying to get Repo Man made. He sent the scripts to various studios, he made cartoons, all this sort of things. Eventually the script ended up in Michael Nesmith's hands. And it was actually made by his production company. Yes, this is the same Michael Nesmith from The Monkees. Nesmith read the first scene of Repo Man with a cop pulling over the strange vehicle, and then he agreed to make the film. So Cox met with Harry Dean Stanton's agent, and amazingly, Stanton's own agent said Cox shouldn't work with Stanton. He was considered passé, and told Cox to call Mick Jagger instead. Cox was just incredulous and asked the agent if he even read the script, because Stanton was meant for the role and as great as Harry Dean is in the film, he was very temperamental and difficult to work with. Cox even wanted to fire him at various points because he was just too much of a loose cannon. For the first couple days of filming, Stan refused to learn his lines. He said that Warren Oates read his dialogue in Tulane Blacktop from 1971 off of note cards stuck on the dashboard, so he should be able to do the same. Cox overcame this obstacle by informing him that refusing to learn lines was in the breach of the SAG contract, which may or may not be true, but after that, Stanton memorized everything perfectly. Cox once said that Stanton got pissed on set and yelled at Cox and said, I've worked with the greatest directors of all time, like Francis Ford Coppola and Hitchcock. And you know why they were great? Because they let me do exactly what I wanted. (laughs) Originally Cox wanted Dick Rude, who ended up playing the character of Duke. He wanted him for the auto role. However, Rude was too much of an unknown, and Emilio Estevez was an up-and-comer after appearing in The Outsiders a year prior. But Estevez's agents wouldn't give him the script to read. They didn't want him doing small, independent films. They only wanted him at that point to do big-budget films. Finally, a friend of the producers who knew the Sheens, they got Emilio the script, and he read it, and of course, the rest is history. Dick Rude was very disappointed when he learned that after a year of expectations of playing the auto character, that it was recast. Another hard decision was firing Chris Penn for the Kevin role, even though he had already signed on. Penn actually shot for a few days, but then had a falling out with the wardrobe person, and he was fired. As much as I enjoy Chris Penn, having Xander Schloss as Kevin actually worked out best. So while the film might seem far-fetched at times, Alex Cox talked to real Repo men who gave him a lot of stories which actually ended up in various forms in the script. Like a lot of Harry Dean Stan's lines came from the Repo men that Cox talked to. All right, let's get into the film. So it begins with the roadmap of Southern California with the song Repo Man playing. It's the instrumental version. There are no vocals from Iggy Pop, like on the soundtrack. The film opens with a strange man named Frank Parnell played by Fox Harris. He's driving erratically on the highway. Frank is pulled over by a motorcycle cop. What's hilarious and true to life, Fox Harris was a terrible driver and really didn't know how to drive a car, and he drove into a bridge before the shooting even began.
1: Got in the trunk. Oh, you don't want to look in there.
0: In the trunk is the incredibly bright light that appears before the cop is disintegrated. However, his leather boots remain on the street with the smoke pouring out of them. I've always loved this special effect when someone looks in the trunk. It's like an x-ray where the body turns into a skeleton before it turns to dust. By the way, Frank wears sunglasses, though his left eye doesn't have a dark lens. Now, if you think this beginning is strange, well, you ain't seen nothing yet. After the cop is killed, Frank drives away like nothing happened. We then cut to a grocery store where Otto, played by Emilio Estevez, and his buddy Kevin are stocking items on the shelves. Kevin, which is Xander Schloss, kind of looks like Napoleon Dynamite, and Schloss actually fully believes his character was the inspiration for John Hader's character almost 20 years later. As you will notice with all of the food items in the film, and Ebert mentioned this, everything is labeled generically in blue and white cans. So sliced peaches are sliced peaches, and cornflakes are cornflakes. More on this later.
1: Feeling seven up, I'm feeling seven up. Feeling seven up, I'm feeling seven up. It's a crisp, refreshing feeling, crisp, clear, and light. America's drinking seven up, and it sure feels right. Feeling lucky
2: seven. Kevin, stop singing, man. Huh? What's the singing guy? i standing right next to you and you're fucking singing. Cut it out. Jeez, we're so tense, guy.
0: Otto. Mr. Hoffman. You were
1: late
3: again this morning. Now, normally, I'd let it go, but it's been brought to my attention that you're not paying attention to the way you space the cans.
2: Many young men of your age in these uncertain times... Otto,
0: are you paying attention to me?
1: Hey,
2: he's talking to you. Fuck you.
1: (gasps) (laughs) Come on, on, just try it. Come on. Gotta love getting fired from your job in a big way, Otto. What are you laughing at? Louis, throw it out to Come on, you fucking Mm -hmm. boy. Get out of here.
0: So both Otto and Kevin get fired, so it's off to a house party at Kevin's parents' house. This is part of the early 80s punk scene in Los Angeles. Hence, you hear the bands like the Circle Jerks and Black Flag and Suicidal Tendencies before they cross over to metal. Anyway, Otto kind of has a girlfriend named Debbie. He leaves for a second from the bedroom to get a beer, and she's already hooking up with a guy named Duke. So, so much for that. So Otto decides to go off alone, and he sings the lyrics to the song TV Party by Black Flag. The next morning, while walking down the street, Otto gets picked up by Bud, that's Harry Dean Stanton. And just like that, Otto now has a new job, Repo Man. As in, repossessing cars if you didn't already know the lingo.
1: Hey kid, hey, hey, you hard to hear Ace? What do you want? You want to make 10 bucks? Fuck you, queer. Now wait a minute, wait a minute kid, you got the wrong idea. Look, my old lady's real sick, I gotta get her to the hospital, okay? So what? Take her there. I can't. I can't leave her car in this bad area. Look, I need some helpful soul to drive it for me, okay? She's pregnant. She's with twins, she could drop at any time, all right?
2: Well, uh, how much are you gonna give me?
1: 15 bucks.
2: No, I won't do it for less than 20.
1: 25. Follow me in my old lady's car. It's right here, okay? All right. Where's, uh, where's your old lady at? Never mind about that. Right now we gotta get both of my cars out of this bad area, alright? Come on.
2: Hey, papa, ven aquí. Es un gringo en la calle con su coche. Hijo de la puta Dame mi carro Ándale cabrón ¡Mi carro, mi carro Ándale ¡Sí, nada,
1: Te vas a morir Te vas a morir Esa <risa> es tu Estoy soñando con carros Tú eres un la cruz en sus brazos por vida la cruz en...
2: It right so took me two weeks to get this money up so I can come and get it.
1: Mm-hmm. That ain't don't your job. Hey! You're so, You like I'll that? You huh?
2: Thanks, bud. You gonna give me my car? or I gotta go to your house and shove your dog's <laughs> head down Except the corner? Take it easy, sonny boy.
1: Shut oh, up. Man. Rent a car.
2: Best goddamn car on the lot. You damn, damn right, right it is. Will you, will you hold for me? Acceptance Corporation, money <laughs> <laughs> uh, Say, Mama, what's happening? You want to take
1: a lift? No, thank you. Let's go. Now, oh, the Cadillac is sleeping in the tent. Shut bell, up, Reggie. Bud, what street was that car on? Uh, honey, I don't know. Some alley. Uh, hey, kid. What? Hey, what, what street was the cutlass on? I don't know. They don't know. I'll call you back. But I'm your old lady. Helping
2: uh, hand lady. Acceptance Corporation, Oh,
1: shit. I forgot all about her. What kind of car? Well, she'll take the bus. She's a rock. (laughs) Hey, come on in. Molly? Molly? Can you hold? Got a name, kid? Yeah, it's Otto. Otto? Otto Parts? (laughs) Hey, kid. Helping hand. You got to drive license? Oh, yeah, you fucking A we ripped your Let car, asshole. You want to know who told us where it was? Your goddamn brother. Are you really 21? That's what it says, doesn't it? Hey, you want some help with that beer, kid?
2: You're all repo, man.
1: What if we are? You know, kid, uh, usually when somebody pulls shit like that, my first reaction is, uh, I want to punch his fucking lights out. But you know something? You're all right! <laughs> the right light. You got any messages for me, baby? Yeah, here you go. Cracks me up. Somebody pissed on the floor again. Maybe he's looking for a job, huh, Budski? what do you say, kid? We're always on the
2: lookout for a few good men. Screw that i going to be no repo, man. No way. It's too late. You already are.
0: <laughs> I love the line, someone piss on the floor again, <laughs> which was the beer that Otto dumped out. Elsewhere, the police are investigating the disintegration of the motorcycle cop with what looks like a government agency also assisting in the investigation.
1: What could have done that to? Gasoline? Napalm? It happens sometimes. People just explode. Natural causes.
2: What?
0: Otto takes the bus home, and we get to meet his brain-dead parents, who are addicted to televangelists. (laughs) The Lord has told me personally, yea, for
1: I walk with the Lord. Amen. He said, Larry, you and your flock shall see the promised land. But only if you first destroy the twin evils of godless communism abroad and liberal humanism at home. Oh,
2: my mother, my father.
0: hallelujah. Smash him Anything down. Eat. Now, my friends, occasionally we get a letter from a viewer that says, Now, the only reason President Larry comes on your television set
2: is because he wants your money. And you know what? They're right. I do want your money because God wants your money. So I want you to go out
1: and order that home. And sell
2: that car, your money. You don't need that car. Put it on a plate, son. You'll enjoy it more. Couldn't enjoy it anymore, Mom. Mm-mm-mm. This is swell. Dad?
1: Hey, Dad. What is it, son?
2: Do you remember you once told me a long time ago? Well, not too long ago. But um, that you told me that you'd give me $1,000 to go to Europe if I finish school. You know something? You were right about finishing school. That's, that's what I'd like to do. But um, I want to know if I can have the money first, like now. You know, I really love you, Dad. I've always loved you. You too, Mom. What do you say?
1: I don't have it anymore. What? Your father gave all our extra money to the reverend's telethon, Otto. We're sending Bibles to El Salvador.
2: Well, what about me?
1: You're on the honor roll of the chariots of fire. Same as us, Otto. It was a gift from all of us,
2: jointly. (laughs)
0: By the way, the can that Otto eats out of is simply labeled FOOD. While some might think this was a clever way of satirizing product placements in films, the reality was nobody would give the producers of Repo Man product placements. So this was simply a fallback way of labeling things, which of course is terrific irony. They first tried to get Mickey's Wide Mouth to sponsor for the beer, but that didn't happen, so hence the word beer is on the label. However, they did get a sponsorship for the Car Tree air fresheners, which you see prominently. Anyway, with some of the school money blown on the Miracle Man, Otto decides Repo Man is the way to go make some cash.
2: So how much do I get paid? 25 bucks a car?
1: Paid? You don't get paid. Are you kidding? You work on commission. That's better than being paid. Most cars you rip are worth two or $300. $50,000 Porsche might make you five grand. Come on, dickhead! It helps you dress like a detective, too. A detective dress kinda square. You do think this guy's a cop. You don't think you're packing something. I don't fuck with you so much. Are you? Uh, what? Packing something. <laughs> An asshole gets killed for a car. The guys that make it are the guys that get in their cars at any time. Get in at 3 a.m., get up at 4. That's why they ain't a repo man I know that don't take speed. Speed, huh? Jesus Christ! (laughs) I never broke into a car, never hot-wired a car, kid. I never broke into a trunk. I shall not cause harm to any vehicle, nor the personal contents thereof, nor through inaction let that vehicle or the personal contents thereof come to harm. It's what I call the repo code, kid. Don't forget it. Etch it in your brain. Not many people got a code to live by anymore. Hey, look look at that. Look at those assholes over there. Ordinary fucking people. I hate them. (sighs) Me too. What do you know, kid? See, an ordinary person spends his life avoiding tense situations. Repo man spends his life getting into tense situations. Assholes. Yeah, so let's go get a drink. Tense situations, kids. Get in five or six of them a day don't mean shit anymore. I mean, I've seen men stabbed. It means mean shit. Yeah, I've seen guns, guns, too. They don't mean shit. But that's when you got to watch yourself. Here, I'll handle it, pal. Let's settle down. <laughs> okay. Have a nice day. Or, night. Night day, doesn't mean
3: Wasn't that Otto?
1: Otto, who?
0: (laughs) The cashier was being held up at the time by Debbie and Duke, and Archie hiding under the counter. The next day, we meet Bud's arch nemesis in the repo business, the Rodriguez brothers.
1: There's some bad shit coming down one of these days, kid. Oh, yeah? Where are you gonna be? On the moon? <laughs> uh-huh. I'm gonna be right here heading north at 110 per... And this junker? Cool car. Mother's. Motherfucker just flipped you off. Roll the window down, roll the window down. I don't have a Watch it, motherfucker. Hey, fuck you, pussy. Holy shit. Want to
3: take them?
1: A dildo punks! I'll get your ass! (laughs) Wow! That was intense! Repo man's always intense.
2: Come on, let's go get a drink. (laughs) Gee, Bud, you never told me it was gonna be like this, man.
1: Cops and robbers. (laughs) Real life car chases. Woo!
0: Otto also rides with another Repo man named Light, played by Cy Richardson, who is equally as awesome as Bud. Light instructs Otto to repossess a car with a person already in it. He gives Otto a brown paper bag, which has a dead rat in it. Otto decides to throw the rodent in the car, and instead of being scared, the woman simply maces Otto and drives away. And then instead of helping Otto in the car, Light leaves him in the streets as he drives off to catch the woman in the car. <laughs> Otto is back with Bud, and Otto repossesses a nice Cadillac and then decides to try to pick up a young woman named Layla, played by Livia Barash. Who looks like she's in a hurry. Not paying attention to the road, auto crashes into some garbage in the street.
2: You still want to ride or what?
1: No, I don't. I'm Otto. Layla. Is this your car? Yeah, it's one of them. <laughs> one of them pretty slick, don't you? I bet you're a used car still. I am not. Uh, Pink dress, like one. I'm a repo man. What's that? It's a repossessor. They take back cars from dildos that don't pay their bills. Pretty cool, huh? No. What are Those men in the car next to us, don't look at them. Don't look at them if they
2: see me, they'll kill me. Really? Why? Ah! What the hell are you doing? What's
1: going on? Take
2: a look at this. It's like, it's like sausage. It's sausage, Otto. That's a picture of dead aliens. <laughs>
1: <laughs> 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 Laugh away! <laughs> That picture's gonna be on the cover of every major newspaper in two days' time. How do you know that? Part of the secret network. Scientists, also in our secret sense, smuggled the corpses off his air force base. Now we've got him in the trunk of his car. It's a Chevy Malibu. We've got to find them. What are you gonna do with them? Put him on Johnny Carson? Yes. We're gonna have a press conference and tell the world. <laughs> United Fruitcake
2: Outlet. <laughs>
0: My door doesn't work. Oh, look, it's up. How cute. Oh, United Fruitcake Outlet stands, of course, for UFO. <laughs> and even though Otto is brash and not very likable, Leo offers to do some hanky panky with him in the back seat outside of the UFO building. Originally, the Layla character was supposed to be a middle-aged woman that Otto had an affair with. But after Olivia Barash was given the role of Layla, the character was changed, and Barash originally read for the Debbie role. Next, Otto goes with Light to repo what Light calls a little red devil. Light is like a surgeon when it comes to repoing a car and has a briefcase full of tools.
1: Fuck huh. a well, John Wayne, man. Tell us his name,
0: you little pussy. I walk into
1: someone's place of work.
0: This shit scared. You know I'm not a cop. Think I'll come to kill him in a wolf. I'll kill anybody who crosses me. You know what I mean? Do you like music? Sure. Mmm. In that case, you're gonna love this. I was into these dudes before anybody. Partied with them all the time. They asked me to be the manager. I called bullshit on that. The man, you didn't pop me. Hey, no job for no man. Mm-hmm. Read that book I gave you. What book? Diuretics, signs of matter open mind. Uh-uh. But well, you better read it. And quick. That book will change your life. Found it in the Maserati of Beverly Hills. know what I mean? So Otto talks about this diuretics book with Miller, which is played by Tracy Walter, and of course this is a parody of Dianetics from the Church of Scientology.
2: A lot of people don't realize what's really going on. They view life as a bunch of unconnected incidents and things. They don't realize that there's this like lattice of coincidence that lays on top of everything. I'll give you an example. Show you what I mean. Suppose you're thinking about a plate of shrimp. Suddenly somebody will say like plate or shrimp or plate of shrimp out of the blue. No explanation. No point in looking for one either. It's all part of a cosmic unconsciousness. You read a lot of Acid Miller back in the hippie days? I'll give you another instance. You know the way everybody's into weirdness right now? Books and all the supermarkets about... Muted triangles, UFOs, how the Mayans invented television, that kind of thing. I want to read the books. Well, the way I see it, it's exactly the same. There ain't no difference between a flying saucer and a time machine. People get so hung up on specifics, they miss out on seeing the whole thing. Take South America, for example. In South America... Thousands of people go missing every year. Nobody knows where they go. It's just like disappear. But if you think about it for a minute, you realize something. There had to be a time when there was no people, right? Yeah, Yes. Well, where did all these people come from? Hmm? I'll tell you where. The future. Where would all these people disappear to, hmm? The past? That's right! And how'd they get there? What the fuck do I know? Flying saucers. Which are really... Yeah, you got it. Time machines. I think a lot about this kind of stuff. I do my best thinking on the bus. That's how come I don't drive, see? You don't even know how to drive. I don't want to know how. I don't want to learn, see? The more you drive, the less intelligent you are.
0: So all of the repo businesses in town are looking for the mysterious Chevy Malibu, of course for the $20,000 reward. This is the car that had the intense light coming from its trunk when the cop turned to dust. And then we get some more words of wisdom from Bud.
1: Yes, what are you, fucking commie? Huh? No, I ain't no commie. Well, you better not be. I don't want no commies in my car. No Christians either.
0: So Frank Barnell ends up stopping at a gas station, and likely due to the toxic waste being in his trunk, he stumbles out and pukes all over. Kevin, who now works at the gas station, watches all of this. He then goes to help another vehicle, which happens to be the Rodriguez brothers. When Kevin goes inside the station to get them something, the Rodriguez brothers take Frank's Chevy Malibu with no idea what's in the trunk. Otto decides to repo a station wagon of an elderly lady, but unfortunately her group of large sons arrive home from band practice and beat the shit out of Otto before he can get away with the car. Otto didn't realize they had put a jack under the car and he couldn't drive away. The Rodriguez brothers end up stopping to get some of the drink because the car temperature is so warm due to the heat in the trunk. However, Debbie, Duke, and Archie steal the Malibu from the Rodriguez brothers. In the meantime, Otto is with Light, and a repo goes bad as the car owner fires a gun at Otto. Light ends up saving the day by returning fire before Otto speeds off. Otto is totally freaked out, but discovers later that Light's gun was just using blanks. Now, this last scene was originally meant for Harry Dean Stanton instead of Cy Richardson, but Cox wrote Stanton out of the scene because Stanton was being difficult at the time. But really, Richardson added more of a badass nature to the light character even more than he already was by appearing in this scene. The next day, Layla makes contact with Frank by payphone, but two government-looking men crash into Frank's phone booth. Frank gets away, but Layla is kidnapped by the men. We then go back to Repo headquarters. Jingle bells, jingle bells,
2: jingle What's going on, oh, on? The usual. Bye. Come on, hey,
1: Miller. Hey, Marlene. Hey, how you doing, baby? Hey, Who done straight. that to you, son? Who done what? Why he says? want oh. to talk about guts. Throw your face, kid.
2: That's some dude? It doesn't matter.
1: Oh, yes, it does. Why don't you do something, Pletcher? Aren't you a cop or something? Marlene, I'm on my coffee break. Repo man don't go running to the man, Marlene. Repo man goes it alone. It's a rebob. Just like John
2: Wayne. Damn right, just like John Wayne. What's, What's wrong, wrong with that?
1: Greatest yeah, American yeah. that ever
2: lived. John Wayne was a fag. What did you say? Uh, what? John Wayne was a fag. The uh, hell he, he was. He was too, you boys. I installed two-way mirrors in his pad in Brentwood. And he come to the door in a dress. Ah, uh, you're oh, fucking nuts. No. That doesn't yeah. mean he was a homo, Miller. A lot of straight guys like to watch their buddies fuck. They do? No, I do.
1: Yeah.
2: yeah. Don't you? Damn
1: straight, I do. Fuck a John Wayne, man. Tell us his name, you little pussy. This son yes, right. ah, bastard! Hey, hey, take it easy.
2: Oh, easy hey, man. His head is hurt. Ah. Ah. Yeah. Taking this too personal, son. The thing is, a Repo Man got beat up in the line of duty. Now, it doesn't matter that that man was you. What really matters is that the Uh, uh. guy that did it has got to pay the price. Uh. Now stop being selfish and tell us his name. Come on! Ah. Ah. You bastard! All right! All right, all right, all right. Okay, his name was...
1: Humphreys? Yes. Yes, I'm Mr. Humphreys. What do you want?
0: <laughs> <Yes>! <laughs> Don't mess with John Wayne or Repo Men. That John Wayne story was based on a story that was told to Alex Cox, so he just put it in the script. <laughs> also, Otto decided to name his old boss at the grocery store that fired him. Otto ends up getting a phone call from Lalo who says to meet him at the club with the strange woman who works for the government. While at the club, the circle jerks are performing as a lounge act, which of course is hilarious. Debbie and her friends also show up but leave soon after to discover Frank is trying to take back his car. Archie, the guy with the mohawk, decides to look at the trunk, which of course fries him. Debbie and Duke decide to leave the car with Frank. Come on, Duke.
1: Let's go do those crimes. Uh,
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Let's go get sushi and, and not pay.
0: Alright, there's about 30 minutes left in the film, and it will get even stranger, believe it or not. Will we discover what's in Frank's trunk? Who, if anyone, will actually try to repo the much sought-after Chevy Malibu with all the mysterious heat in the trunk? And will Bud finally defeat the Rodriguez brothers? Well, it's all answered in a very, very crazy ending. This movie, again, is the epitome of a cult classic. Fans of the early 80s Los Angeles punks music scene will, of course, love the film, along with fans of independent films that love a sci-fi twist uh, from the 1980s. Repo Man really influenced many independent films for years to come. Also, you may not realize it, but it's a true Los Angeles film. It's not the polished Hollywood glitz like other films but what Los Angeles really looked like in the mid-80s. Also, this film felt punk rock, not fake or shoehorned in, especially the soundtrack. But I can't leave you without this gem from Duke.
1: Wow. Yeah, I'm here, man. The lights are growing dim. I know a life of crime led me to this sorry fate. And yet... I blame society.
2: Society made me what I am. That's bullshit. You're a white suburban punk, just like me. But it still hurts. You're
1: gonna be all right, man. Maybe not.
0: The end credits are totally unique as well, as they go from top to bottom instead of bottom up. Also, you get to hear the song Repo Man playing this time with Iggy Pop's vocals. Alright, let's get into the deleted scenes. There were a number of them that were shown for the TV edit of the film. So instead of Duke hooking up with Debbie in the beginning of the film, it's actually Archie. And you see his mohawk conveniently shot between her legs. We have Frank losing a tooth while driving his radioactive car. Archie is swimming in someone's pool with his clothes on while Duke is on a lounge chair. And then Duke then shoots Archie with a bow and arrow. We have Bud using a payphone but gets frustrated that it can't get it to work. So he gets a sledgehammer from his car and destroys the phone booth. Otto then grabs a hammer and does the same. It's actually a really funny scene. Early on, Bud is showing Otto the ropes of repoing a car. If you don't have the keys, you wouldn't try to steal the car like light would do. You call a tow truck. So then the guy who's getting his car repoed, who has his face half covered in shaving cream and in his bathrobe, comes out of the house to try to reason with Bud. It's the guy's daughter's car. But Bud calmly tells the guy to talk to his daughter about missing her payments and to call his branch manager before he will tow the car. Of course, once the father goes into the house, the car gets towed. Otto lives in his parents' garage, and there's a scene where he sleeps on the garage floor in his sleeping bag next to a car, listening to his Walkman while drinking beers. There's an extended party scene at Miller's house. There's a scene where Otto returns home and enters the house, and his parents are sitting on the couch covered in cobwebs while they're still watching the televangelist. Otto then turns off the TV to the horror of his parents. Otto is laying in bed with Layla talking about the Chevy Malibu, and Layla tells Otto she likes him a lot because he takes her seriously. At the house party, Otto arm-wrestles Duke, and nobody wins. Kevin then wants to go target shooting, and Otto tells him to go smoke out of a bong. There's a longer gas station scene with Kevin and Frank, where Frank talks about how hungry he is before throwing up. All right, some fun facts. So originally, Alex Cox wanted Dennis Hopper as a repo man. But Hopper at the time was still doing poorly due to his alcoholism, and Cox heard that he literally drove another director insane, so they had to pass on Hopper. It would be a few years before Hopper's 1986 amazing film comeback, where he appeared in Hoosiers, Blue Velvet, River's Edge, and Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. Universal Pictures pulled the film after one week due to underperforming, but the soundtrack generated such a buzz and sold over 50,000 copies, which was a really strong number considering it was an independent punk soundtrack. Six months after its initial release, Universal decided to re-release the film due to the success of the soundtrack. And like a lot of underappreciated films in the 1980s, the advent of home video really helped Repo Man become a cult classic because those who likely missed the film in the theaters were renting the movie constantly. I definitely remember seeing the movie poster in many independent video stores back in the day, and I was always intrigued as a kid just from that poster. It just looked cool and still does. So no special effects were used to make the Chevy Malibu glow while parked at the repossession lot. Instead, the car was completely coated in 3M reflective paint, and it cost approximately $600 per bucket. So that photo of the aliens that Layla shows to Otto, it's thought to be uh, of some sausages. It's actually depicting condoms filled with water and then dressed by J. Ray Fox and Linda Burbank (laughs) in grass shirts. Xander Schloss, who plays Kevin the Nerd, he actually ended up joining the punk band The Circle Jerks after the production ended. So when filming began, they only had one 1964 Chevy Malibu, but it was stolen a couple days into filming, and it forced the film crew to scramble to find a replacement. So shortly after finding a replacement, the original was recovered by the police undamaged. This was fortunate timing because about a day later, Fox Harris severely damaged one of the Malibus by accidentally plowing it into a gasoline pump. And in the car wash scene, one of the gas pumps is clearly severely dented up and damaged. This is the pump that Fox plowed into in a previous take. All right, we have a special guest who loves this movie. He loves the soundtrack. He's he's been a big fan for a long time. And it's the great Ian Wadley from the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast who joins me to discuss the epitome of a cult classic, Repo Man. And I'll be back next week to talk about yet another random movie, from my dvd collection okay we're back and i've been trying to get this guest to talk about this movie for i guess two years now i think it's been about two years uh it's like <laughs> <Yeah>. trying to, <laughs> it's trying to like re, you know they, where they talk about repoing cars i'm trying to repo ian wadley back to this show so thank you for joining me to talk about repo man ian
3: no so problem you'll, you'll probably get repo man 2 before i get <laughs> back on here For the deluxe episode of Repo Man, unfortunately.
0: That's right. That's why we're at this moment. We'll, we'll, you know, pull the curtain back. I'm trying to record about 30 episodes with Ian, so I'll be good for the next five years. So Uh, I I, I tend to think most people know about the soundtrack rather than actually seeing this film itself. Did you see the movie first or did you hear the soundtrack first?
3: Saw the movie and at the drive-in, it was the second movie. I can't remember what the first one was. But I remember telling my grandpa, this shit's weird. We can go home now. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I didn't get it the first time. It was just too weird. You know, I think I I knew who Emilio Estevez was. Right. And and Harry Dean Statton I, I'd seen in other movies. Didn't really know much of the other cast, uh, except for, uh, uh, what's the great guy? John Wayne's a fag. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> His name <laughs> I, is... Tracy Walter, Tracy Walters, yeah, the great Tracy Walters, yeah. great in everything he does. Uh, but it, it was it was just too weird, and I was about two years away from discovering punk music. Okay, and and, and the punk scene. Uh, you know, I had a a good friend growing up, Ben Poskins, mm-hmm. who you we know, we used to listen to breakdance music. You know, and mm-hmm. we would break dance in our parachute pants and stuff. And then he went punk, and I went metal. you know and and at first i couldn't stand any of the punk shit he was playing me i'm like oh this is all fucking noise you know and then you know years later i ended up loving punk right um but uh i was i was a late bloomer to repo man and you know it just developed a cult following but fairly quickly you know it wasn't one that took years and years and i would just keep hearing people talk about it and i'm like God, I told my grandpa to leave during that one. <laughs> and, and, but then, you know, I got a little bit older and watched it and and liked it a lot more. But it's one of those films where every time I watch it now, yeah, it, it's I, I, when I don't think it's possible for me to love the movie or appreciate it anymore, I always find a way to, you know, I would say, you know, by my early 20s, I mean, keep in mind my age when it came out i was 10. Mm-hmm. you know by my by my early 20s i loved it and just now it's just a staple the soundtracks a staple you know i i had this really cool uh was it anchor bay put out mm. it was a it was a tin box i still have it oh. uh, a tin a 10 box that came with the soundtrack and the uh and then the dvd uh-huh. And, uh huh. And it was like a, you know the license plate says Repo Man and everything. Yeah. And it, that's that's collecting dust. I I just can't stand to part with it. But you know now I have the beautiful Criterion collection. Oh yeah. Uh, copy of it, which you know until there's a 4K, you know that that's the way that's the way to see it. Yeah, that's uh, a must own. Must own. Oh yeah. I mean the booklet, the special features, everything, yep. the trans. The transfer is incredible. Uh, shout out to Criterion, you movie nerds. Oh yeah, uh,
0: they are the, they're they they're the best. Factory uh, Factory's amazing. Vinegar, uh, God, what's it called?
3: Vinegar, Vinegar syndrome. That, Vinegar that's who my yep. That's who my paycheck just went to after this last halfway to Black Friday. <laughs> oh, really? so. I
0: know. I just picked up the pre-order for Cloak and Dagger. So <laughs>
3: for me. Oh yeah. Oh oh god. Yeah, I, I got I got the bundle, the 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 everything bundle a couple months ago. Nice. Yeah. That's where that's where all my money goes now too is like Criterion, Screen Factory, Blue Underground, Kino Lorber. Oh, Uh, Lorber, yeah. Oh, I love Kino Lorber. Actually, I gotta say, even though I'm known from a a music podcast, uh, especially since the pandemic, I'm more into movies. (laughs) I I listen to music when I got to do a show, and that's about. I've just I've been watching movies and. Particularly cult shit like this, and that's what I love about uh, you know these boutique labels. Yeah. That 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 you know not only put these movies out but celebrate them and and do such a you know a masterful job on the transfers and the, and the bonus features and uh, yeah the, the the Criterion edition of this and I believe it's a 4K scan. It is. On, right? But man, it's just a way to way to see this, and it, and it's a movie again the more and more you watch it you know you'll catch shit you you miss and unfortunately i was supposed to uh meet xander who, who plays kevin uh because he he used to play in a band with my friend manny who would will be on the future episode yep. he played in a band with him called the two free stooges <laughs> and also he, he's a member of the circle jerks now right that's right. and, and, and had been for a long time. So yeah, I was going to go see the Circle Jerks and, and meet Xander, you know, and I, I just wanted to go up to him with that price
0: checker and just write on his fucking glasses. <laughs> or push him into a bunch of cans, you know? Yeah,
3: you know, you know, wherever the night takes me. You know, <laughs> he won't think it's funny, but I'll laugh my ass off. That's right.
0: Uh, look, I'm glad you brought it up. I think the term cult classic gets thrown around too much now, but this really is the epitome me of a cult classic and and i remember seeing you know you saw this posters in video stores i mean it's an iconic poster i mean you think of 80s and, and the punk scene that that's what's about i i'm really glad you brought up that you didn't get it at first because that was gonna be my question um i i don't know maybe it was the age i was at i really liked it but i didn't really care about the sci-fi angle did you eventually learn to love the sci-fi angle or was it uh just kind of a necessary part of the film
3: Oh no, I love that. I'm I'm a huge I'm a Trekkie. I'm I'm a big fucking sci-fi nerd. Okay. Uh so I I always liked that, but it was just there was little bits of everything in this movie. Mm-hmm. You know, and it, I, at 10 years old it was just too much for me to take in. Sure. You know, for some reason I understood Footloose, but this was above my fucking, you know, <laughs> right. my skill set level. <laughs> and, and 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 you know, surprise because I did, you know, I I liked a lot of you know, what was considered cult films at a young age. But this one just, uh, maybe it was the night, you know, maybe it was the movie that I saw before it. Sure. Uh, I I remember afterwards, once it was on HBO, like I, I, I tried to give it a chance and I was like, yeah, I didn't like this for a reason and just ignored it. But sometimes you just need, you know, you need to grow up and experience shit and you get a lot more out of movies. Even sometimes movies that you, you get when you're younger, you, you will get more, you know, as you know, you get more intelligent or stupider in my case, you know, <laughs> and then this is definitely one of those. It's just, it's, it's so rewarding. It's so quotable. Nobody can bring up you know the Duke around me without me going. John Wayne's a fag, you
0: know. <laughs> Which I I love the story. If you if you watch the behind the scenes uh, footage, they talk about that. It was only, it was this one rumor that the the writer and director had heard. And he's like, yeah, I'll just put it in the film, <laughs>
3: and it just becomes yeah. like this thing. Oh, I know. And I run with it. I tell everybody that's the truth, and I tell them, oh yeah, I got I got shit at home. I can bring in. It's true. <laughs> yeah. That's just because
0: I hate John Wayne. Well, but, there you uh, go. Don't don't tell Joseph stop that. He he will disown you. So yeah. yeah.
3: Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. He'll, forgive me. he'll
0: okay, forgive me. That's true. Joseph's a very good guy. Uh, yeah. So I think this was an exclusive from the, the episode that you and Ralph were on. You, you revealed, you actually met Emilio Estevez and Charlie Sheen at a young age because you lived in Los Angeles for a while. So right. was this, was this before or after repo man?
3: Oh, this was way before. That okay. was, that was 79, uh, 80. Okay. In between that, that time, as a matter of fact, uh, it wasn't until years later when my dad told me mm-hmm. that I realized who they were. You know, I had already known them as actors. Sure. And he's like, "Yeah, that. Remember when we went to that house?" And I was like, "Oh shit!" You know, because, like I said, yeah, you know, Charlie Sheen was just covered in zits, <laughs> and uh, you know, they didn't look they didn't look that much. You know, like like I grew up watching them. Right. You know. Exactly. I mean, shit. I mean, we're talking, shit, three four years before The Outsiders. Even, there you go. You know. Yeah. So. But yeah, Emilio was cool. Charlie was a prick. <laughs> <You> know, that, <laughs> that fits. That, that. Yeah, and I'm sure it's probably that way to this day. You yeah. Know? <laughs> great. <laughs> you know, nobody says anything bad about Emilio except Paul Abdul. There you I go. I don't trust
0: anything she says. Absolutely. But, uh, so look, Emilio is great in this film, especially for being early on in his career. I, but I think you you would agree too. What makes this is the the character actors: Harry Dean Stanton, Cy Richardson, Tracy Walter. I, who would be your favorite character in the in the film?
3: It's kind of neck and neck between Tracy Walters and Harry Dean Stanton, but I mm-hmm. think I, I think you always got to go with Harry Dean. You yeah, know? I mean that that man is just a legend and. uh uh, just another quote i always say if you know somebody's in a car with me the first time <laughs> I'm like like you're a communist or right? i don't have no communists in my car <laughs> yeah. no christians either <laughs> right that's the punchline <laughs> yeah you know harry dean staten can just and anything he's in yeah uh he, he just elevates you know and he can be on screen for either the whole picture or five minutes and he makes a difference oh totally and um Yeah. What a huge loss, you know, and I'm just so glad that he kept working up until the end. I mean, you, you look at his later work, uh, what he did on big love was incredible. Uh, you know, uh, I think his last film lucky I loved, you know, Mm -hmm. I thought he was, he was great in that, uh, you know, the, the stories about him are legendary. Oh, yeah. And, 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 you know, when we do the full-blown episode on this and then Manny's here, you know, Manny's hung out with him before and the mm. stories he's got, you know, I mean, the guy was just a legendary figure in Hollywood and, and just the
0: epitome of cool. Absolutely. You know? Speaking of cool, I mean, he was in Cool Hand Luke. So there you go. Yeah.
3: Yeah. yeah I mean, I mean, shit, I, I, I think he was in Birth of the Nation in the background. Yeah. <laughs>
0: You know? <laughs> okay. Well, I'm I glad I, I I get that joke. So I thank you for doing yeah. that, even if it's only for me. So. Yeah, yeah. I'm old. I'm old. <laughs> I think Samuel Ed's will get it. Samuel, Samuel's <laughs> yeah. an old soul. So yeah. okay. If he,
3: yeah. If he doesn't get it, he'll fucking Google it. That's know? right. That's right. And yeah. then he's gonna he'll do Figure a, it
0: out. He'll <laughs> do a set list of uh random uh mo- you know songs from 1912. So. Listen to his show, by the way, on, on the uh, That Metal Station. So, w- look, w- we know that Repo Man exists, but have I know you've seen some shit in your day. You have amazing stories from your, your life. Have you ever, ever seen a car getting repossessed in person?
3: No, but uh, my mother's car did get repossessed. Really? Uh, yeah, her beloved, what was it, uh, 82 Datsun. And, and I, I have a lot of fond memories of that car and listening to uh, FM radio with my mother. You know, uh-huh. We talked a lot about it on the show, how I got all my hard rock and classic rock from my dad and my love for pop music from my mother. Right. And uh, and, and I, I vaguely remember, well, not vaguely, I specifically remember coming out of the house one day and the red Datsun was gone. I'm like, where's no. the car? Yeah. <laughs> later found out it was repossessed. I'm like, what's that mean? And then I'm like, oh. They're not coming for my TV, are they? <laughs> my, my mo- mother my mother was so nice she bought me a TV for my room that year. That was a big deal. I had yeah. Like one of those one of those little TVs. Mm-hmm. I had a TV in my room in like third grade. Uh, but yet the Dotson got repossessed. But it's important uh, to have priorities, you know? Absolutely. She, she she knew I was gonna be a podcaster, so she's like, I gotta take care of this kid.
0: Or he'll so say no he shit about. It. <laughs> I think she she, <laughs> she also predicted the pandemic. The TV's more important than the car. Yeah, damn right,
3: damn right. Yeah. I got I got two huge TVs and no car. I still get the right. word.
0: <laughs> That's right. All right, you kind of mentioned some of your favorite scenes, but um, you can do that too. Or look, did you like the ending? Uh, I'm guessing you eventually kind of dug the ending, or maybe you don't. Like, how do you feel about the ending? Because it is kind of uh, weird and fitting at the same time.
3: Uh, well, that's exactly how I describe it. Uh, you, you know, how else do you end something like this? Right. You know, I, I think, uh, you know, to give it a, a Hollywood ending would be a disservice. You know, sure. if you're going to go weird, go full blown fucking weird. Don't pussy out at the end. Uh, I think they handled it perfectly, but I can see where, you know, a, a traditional movie fan would be put off, but then again they'd probably be put off by the whole movie you know yeah. what i mean so it, it, it's not like that's gonna ruin the movie for anybody if you made it that far and you're enjoying yourself you know
0: you're just gonna laugh at it you know
3: mm-hmm. i so, was actually uh, shocked
0: the critics actually like this movie roger ebert uh, gave it three out of four stars so i mean he got it in the beginning considering what comedies were coming out then i think that's pretty amazing i'm i'm not shocked it didn't do as well when it was first released, but uh, you think it would have done a little bit better? I don't know.
3: Uh, no, I mean I think it makes sense about you know how it did initially. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm I'm not surprised at how quickly it became a cult film though, because once again this was a film that uh, you know went in and out of theaters. You know, sure. You know, I know where I was at. It was at the drive-in one week and it was gone the next. But right. then, you know, uh, a lot of films from that era would find their life on VHS or, or on cable. Cable, yeah. Um, you know, I mean, I mean, shit, look look how many movies are considered, like, minor cult classics just because they were on USA Up all night
0: You know, sure. in
3: the 90s, you know? <laughs> That's right. Uh-huh. Uh, but but then, you know, a, a big part of this is the soundtrack and how yes. uh, the, the punk culture caught on to this. And and it's a very interesting soundtrack too because I mean there's punk but there's shit in Spanish you know you got Man, the, you, you know you got the Circle Jerks you got Iggy Pop it's yeah let's, actually, let's
0: let's let's quickly go through it because I mean I well I have you know the list here so the the first song on the soundtrack is, is the theme song it's Repo Man with Iggy Pop of course the beginning. Uh, it's just an instrumental in the film. Eventually, you actually hear the the song at the end uh, credits with the lyrics. I think the movie version is a bit raw. Like I think that might even be the demo because the soundtrack is a little bit more um, polished, for lack of a better word. And uh, yeah, so how, how did you feel about that? But that that song.
3: Oh well, I, I'm a huge Iggy Pop fan, as everybody knows. <laughs> so so I love that, but. You know, even that I didn't get till years later because, you know, you hear Iggy at the end. And, uh, you know, I told you, I, I left before the credits. So <laughs> I didn't even know. <laughs> exactly. You know, I didn't even know it was an Iggy song at first. And I, I thought there was a cool story about uh, Josh Homi from Queens of the Stone Age. Uh, he said that's how he was introduced to Iggy Pop. He said, I'd oh. never heard the students. I heard that. He goes, I had the Repo Man soundtrack. There you go. And he said, I used to, you know, race my dirt bike, listen to that on on a Walkman. Mm-hmm. and uh you know and that's hey however you discover Iggy Pop is great you know there's no wrong way
0: no. <laughs> you know exactly but
3: uh also I mean I mean you got uh suicidal tendencies on there mm-hmm. you know circle jerks uh the plugs uh black flag yeah I, I mean it's just it, it, it it's kind of a who's who but it's a it's a different kind of you know it's it's 80s punk but it's still a weird mix for even that era i think i don't know it's a very it's a very unique soundtrack i think
0: yeah and but that was the great thing about early punk is it was all over the place like it didn't it wasn't repetitive at all because Iggy iggy pops completely different than the, the circle jerks in many ways and and uh um going back to the song repo man i for me it always kind of sound the main riff like a, a combination of like the Batman theme <laughs> and Peter gunn I, I just i love what they did with that
3: and if memory serves me correct, I believe Steve Jones is yes. playing guitar on the, from the Sex Pistols. He uh, is.
0: And the band is basically Blondie, Blondie's rhythm section. Clem uh, Burke's on drums and then Nigel Harrison's on bass. Nice. Yeah. Nice. And TV parties in the movie, which I you know, I don't want to call, I guess that's Black Flag's biggest hit. <laughs> we, uh,
3: yeah. Uh, yeah, that'd be the one that, you know, people who don't know Black Flag probably know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think growing up in that era, I appreciate it more because I watched all those horrible shows they're talking about, you know? Blues. Uh, yeah. Dallas Fall Guy. You
0: know? <laughs> well, you I don't know if you noticed. I'm sure you did. But the um, soundtrack version has different uh, shows named than the original song.
3: I, I don't know if I ever caught that or not.
0: Yeah. So I actually wrote it down because I can't prepare. So in the originals uh, f- song, they he he says that's incredible hill street blues dallas fridays uh saturday night live monday night football jefferson's vegas uh in the remake they, they do hill street blues monday night football dallas fall guy <laughs> magnum pi yeah. uh mtv a team fantasy island different strokes chips and dynasty so nice um, yeah yeah so that's that's worth checking out you had mentioned suicidal tendencies you had mentioned that you, this didn't actually get you into punk at all so um when you revisited it was that was that the song that kind of like oh, okay now uh, now i'm into punk uh, institutionalized
3: well well no actually uh by the time i got the soundtrack i was already into i mean i didn't hear this sound i didn't get the soundtrack till i was probably in my 20s so it's oh, probably you know the 90s when i got it okay uh so i was already you know pretty well versed in most of the bands but I can still appreciate how different it was, mm-hmm. you, you know what I mean? Because there's, I mean, you had, you had the hardcore punk, you know, you had, you know, you had your classic punk, mm-hmm. uh, what it was morphing into, and it was actually, you know, dying out by the time I got into it, you know, right? Because you know, I don't consider any, you know, too much punk after '85, <laughs> really, you mm-hmm. know, in in my book, you know. It sure as fuck ain't Green Day and Blink-182. No. you know. <laughs> um,
0: so it's kind of interesting that um, Black Flag and Suicidal Tendencies almost kind of did a similar thing in the sense of they started punk and then kind of evolved in almost more metal, whereas Black Flag kind of did it more of a sludgy metal in the Sabbath vein, whereas Suicidal kind of went more thrashy.
3: Right, and uh, I think it's just uh, it's kind of a logical extension in a, in a couple ways. One, mm-hmm. you kind of see where music's moving and then i think just you know the longer you play you're going to get better at your instrument Sure. You know? and and you're you're going to want to be challenged more sometimes things have a have a shelf life i think you know yeah. for a reason and, and and to keep it going would be disingenuous and then that goes against everything punk even stands for so yeah mm-hmm. you know that's the genius of the pistols is you know there's only one record <laughs> that's right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you know, you know they didn't stick around and make Your illusions two or three. You know. <laughs> that's, that's right.
0: Uh, you so, mentioned the, you mentioned the Circle Jerks. They have two songs on it. So "Coup d'Etat" and then when the yeah. shit hits the fan. Which one? Yeah. Uh, which Which one do you like uh, more? Or do you like them pretty much equally? Well, they're
3: completely I, different. I, I know. I would have to say, you know, the the punk in me
0: is gonna say "Coup d'Etat"
3: because that's just fucking classic. Yep. You know, classic punk. But there's just something so lovable and fun about Shit Hits the Fan. Yeah. You know? <laughs> you know, Go when ahead. they're in the movie doing it and stuff too. You know? the beep bop boop ba yeah. <laughs> Hey. You know? If, you,
0: if people haven't seen the film, so basically they they you hear this song. It's total punk. People are slam dancing in the beginning. And then Otto goes to a club and he basically sees these lounge singers, which is the circle jerks, and they're doing When, right. she, when the Shit Hits the Fan. And the best line in it is like, can't believe i used to like these guys <laughs> yeah
3: oh god let's get some sushi
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh i'd say the other uh big big name song uh, from this is a uh, fear doing let's have a war
3: yeah a great great one great album and, and it's it's nice to see like uh you know a, a fear song on a soundtrack that's not uh, uh what's the, the two big ones forgive me i've had a couple beers uh So you know it's usually those two. So it's cool to have "Let's Start a War" on there. Right. Uh, it, it's a perfect mix, you know. And the, the Secret Agent Man, <laughs> you know, it's exactly. up on there. It, it just it fits the the chaotic nature of the movie, though, you know. And I and I, I love that. It, it, this isn't a collection of stuff that was picked to get on MTV and right. help push. You know, there's a, there's no Kenny Loggins esque song on here. No. You know. To, Not at all. To sell it, you know, it's just. Hey, we're playing shit, you know, punk's were listening to back then.
0: Oh, totally. And I would have never heard about the Plugs, you know, because of that and you know, uh, you know, the hombre Secreto, the, the 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 Hispanic version of Secret Agent Man. And yeah. I love Bates or Metal, the real ten that they do. That that's kind of like the musical interludes uh and you kind of get the full length of it on the soundtrack. But yeah, I mean, that's even if you don't like this movie, you you I, I you be hard pressed to find someone that isn't a music fan that doesn't like the soundtrack. Yeah. Unless their musical taste sucks, you know. Exactly. And you heard it from the man. All right. So if you haven't seen this, definitely check it out. Definitely check out the soundtrack. And uh, you get the thumbs up from the great Ian Wadley. So thank you for doing this, Ian. You're welcome. Buy the Criterion Blu-ray. Absolutely. Absolutely. If you are ever in the San Francisco Bay Area and still love collecting or renting DVDs or VHS tapes, come check out Captain Video in San Mateo at 2837 South El Camino Real. Captain Video is open six days a week and closed on Wednesday and one of the last traditional video stores still running in the United States. New movies you can rent for $2.99 a day. Old movies you can rent for $2.99 for five days. And if renting isn't your thing, you can also purchase anything you find in the store. Be sure to tell Ira that you heard about Captain Video from the Damn Good Movie Memories podcast. Happy renting and happy collecting at at Captain 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 Video. Come hang out and chill with Brian A. Davis and the Bad B. Wednesdays, 11 p.m. Eastern, right here on ThatMetalStation.com.